Hey guys, it's Alvin and Jess, and we are The, the Most, Most Potato. Potato. The podcast where you and your fellow couch potatoes can get together and discuss all things good, bad, and deep in popular media. On today's episode, we'll be discussing Netflix's They Cloned Tyrone. There will be spoilers ahead, so if you haven't watched this movie yet, save this episode and come join us after you've watched it. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you guys enjoy the show. So we're talking the clone Tyrone today. How'd you feel about it? I felt like it was a really good movie <laughs> and that we should talk about it today. <laughs> Definitely. So we're discussing the clone Tyrone today. Um, this movie is directed by Jewel Taylor, a fairly newcomer. Uh, he's done some work for writing in previous movies, but I think this is like his di- directorial debut. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I think he knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Spoiler alert, guys. We like the movie. the movie's directed by jewel taylor written also by jewel taylor and tony rettenmeyer uh the characters that we follow are a trio and their names are fontaine uh he is a drug dealer in a town called the glen Mm -hmm. we have yo-yo the local sex worker uh, oh, and I forgot to mention, John Boyega is playing Fontaine. Oh, yeah. How could you forget that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is a very memorable cast. So John Boyega plays Fontaine, a local drug dealer. Mm-hmm. We have the beautiful, magnificent Teona Paris well. playing Yo-Yo. <laughs> John Boyega is very beautiful, too. He's very gorgeous. Yes. This is a very beautiful cast. And we cannot forget the legendary Jamie Foxx. Playing Slick Charles. Slick Charles, <laughs> the local pimp yes. that nobody listens to. <laughs> He's not intimidating <laughs> at all with his ridiculous fur coat and his gold goddess. He's got the look. He just don't got the the walk. He just he just really has no power over people. It's so funny a pimp with no power over his hose. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So this movie was dropped back in July twenty first. On Netflix. On Netflix. It was and released earlier than that, I believe. Yeah. And nobody's really talking about this movie, which is a damn shame because this is a fantastic movie. Yeah. Finally, I get my movie that takes place in the hood. That is a sci-fi. <laughs> you don't know how long I've been wanting to see or even make a horror or sci-fi that takes place in the hood. Yeah. I mean, I also probably haven't been exposed to many movies like that. The closest things I've seen is like Candyman, like the original one. And I... I can't say I'm a fan of it. I watched that. No. I think we we rewatched it, or we watched it for the first time after watching the new one that had dropped oh, a couple wow. years back. It's like I always do that. It's like how I watched Doctor Sleep, and then I went back to The Shining. Yeah, well, The Shining <laughs> is like an acquired taste for a lot of people, so <laughs> I'm not surprised you weren't exposed to that first. Anyways, <laughs> so we're following this trio of misfit heroes. They're definitely like an unlikely band of heroes because these are people who are marginalized in our society. They're essentially deemed quote unquote criminals. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really apply the quotes to Teona Paris because sex workers um, are criminalized, but they're not really technically doing any harm the way that a drug dealer or a pimp would cause harm. Yeah. Um, so that these are our main heroes. So nobody's really like, 
a perfectly decent, squeaky clean person, which already makes for a very entertaining and exciting story. Yeah. So this movie was released July 21st. I have not seen a lot of people talk about it, and it is a shame because people need to go watch this and definitely discuss. There's like so much going on in this. Yeah, I think it'll pick up as people like start to like really catch on yeah. with it because, I mean, the ratings are really good you know, for it. Yeah. Um, people are surprised at what they found. It's like a hidden gem. I mean, that's what you get with yeah. Netflix, sadly, specifically with the movies. Their series tends to be more consistent with how good they mm-hmm. can be. Movies, it's literally like you get flop, 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 flop. Oh, a decent gem. Flop, 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 yeah. flop. And then you just assume I'm just not going to watch it because it's Netflix and it's probably trash anyway. But yeah. <laughs> this this is not garbage. It's, it's good. There, no, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So... Yeah, let's just break down the plot really quickly about what this movie's about. So essentially, we're following our protagonist, Fontaine, uh, the local drug dealer in a what's described as a retro-futuristic neighborhood called the Glen. And by retro-futurist, it's really more like it looks like modern day with 1970s aesthetics in terms of people's clothes, mm-hmm. the cars that you see. And even the picture. The picture itself, the there's like a grainy filter on it. It's not filmed with film. It's filmed digitally, but they put like a graininess over it to look like the 1970s and 80s like black exploitation films. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. Um, so we follow Fontaine, who appears to live with his mother, who stays in her room all day. We never get to see her. And he has this routine where he basically goes on his runs as a drug dealer um, we see that he is mourning the death of his younger brother as we see a, a sticker of a photo of him on the refrigerator. Um, and he essentially has a routine where he'll go to the corner store, picks up a scratch ticket, some alcohol, mm-hmm. um, and we just follow him on his day. And then we also have Slick Charles, the local pimp, who is one of Fontaine's customers, and Slick Charles basically owes him money for a previous drug deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how a pimp can't afford to do a down payment on some drugs. It's because he's got his sex workers like Yo-Yo walking out on him, telling him he ain't shit. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> None of them seem to listen to him. As we said, he's not very intimidating. He really isn't. It's so <laughs> hilarious. An unintimidating pimp. It's, I can't get over it. And the joke just never runs dry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so during Fontaine's routine, he runs into Slick Charles looks for him and finds him at a motel they get into an argument um and but that's before not before yo-yo first gets into an argument with slick charles um then fontaine also arrives looking for some money he finally gets the money after a funny interaction but then he uh fontaine is tragically cut down by a rival drug uh a drug lord basically Isaac. Uh, Isaac. Um, And this is because earlier in the day before or while Fontaine was doing his runs, he hit one of Isaac's guys with his car. (laughs) And then that guy reported back. Yes. And then Isaac's guy went running back to him. It's like, Fontaine did this to me. So I'm going after him. They went after him after Fontaine visited Slick Charles to collect his money. Mm -hmm. And um, he was gunned down um, by Isaac and his guy. And... Um, that's how that scene ends, and it cuts to basically the next day where Fontaine wakes up again as yep. if it was a bad dream. And yep. um, 
He goes about his regular routine, as Alvin was saying before. You know, literally the, the exact same routine, exact same like, thing. Like and deja vu. It's, yeah, it's just like we'll get it. We'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that because I. I but he get, he gets that. his lotto. Yeah. He gets his alcohol. Mm-hmm. Meets the local uh, homeless person named Frog. Pours him a drink. Yeah. Goes back to Slick Charles's place and asks for the the exact same thing he asked for last night. Where's the money? Yeah. Slick Charles looking at him was like, what? Like he's looking at him like he's literally like a, a ghost. Ghost, basically. <laughs> and he tells Fontaine like. You literally pulled a 50 cent on us. Like, you died. <laughs> yes, that's what he said. <laughs> like, you died. Why are you in front of me right now? Yeah, and he just, like, couldn't believe it. But he eventually convinces Fontaine to, like, also hear from Yo-Yo, who had left out. and Who's, She but, has an alibi. Yeah, so yeah. she's just like, yeah, I heard the shots, like, a whole bunch of shots. And basically saying that, yeah, that was you. You were the one who was um, killed, killed. Mm-hmm. Um, that night. So... That then leads them to being like, well, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And then. And then after that, they basically go on this adventure that leads them to a wild discovery where they find a freaking laboratory underneath a trap house. (laughs) (laughs) And there is where Fontaine discovers his previous body shot dead. And that confirms that he has been cloned and that there is a cloning operation hidden right underneath the neighborhood of Glen. And it's up to these unlikely heroes to uncover what is going on and put a stop to it. Yes. It, it's it's such a wild, ridiculous premise. It could easily go terribly, and they just pulled it off so smoothly. They really did. Now that <laughs> I think about it, it was just... The way we described it sounds stupid. Like yeah. It sounds like me doing a terrible pitch you to Hollywood. A, you got a drug dealer and, 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 and a, a pimp <laughs> and, and, with a his, and a hoe. And um, and then and the, p- the drug dealer dies. Yes, and and but then, then he doesn't die. He's back because there's clones and there's labs <laughs> under this this the city, and then the three you know they get together and they, yeah, it's it's weird, but it's Warner Brothers looking at me like we gotta get this guy in a stretcher or something. <laughs> it works. It it worked. It's great. Um, we actually watched it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to watch it again because. I, there's a lot to there's so unpack. much to uncover yeah yeah um in this film yeah so let's let's get into you know some of the the nitty-gritty yeah of yeah let's let's start with the events leading up to fontaine's death because here we is where we start getting like the setup of the world mm-hmm. we're basically dropped into this unassuming ghetto looks like any other ghetto that we've seen in the in the united states um and it's got like this for some reason, they they rave somehow nail a blend of 1970s aesthetics and visuals, but then they they blend it perfectly with modern day culture, modern day references like the 50 Cent drop that that Jamie Foxx mentioned. There's people that use smartphones. Yeah. Um, it is a really cool thing that they did that because I don't know something about going back to like the 70s and and the 80s and like previous decades just makes it feel a little more lived in. And makes it a little more believable. I think that's like my weakness when it comes to a lot of horror movies or sci-fi movies. When you see like analog technology or like a filming style that looks retro. It, it just brings me back to like a sense of familiarity. Um, but they juxtapose that with, like I said, the, the modern lingo that they use. The modern dialects. The modern technology that we see. Um, we see that the Glen looks like 
really run down. Like there's like no successful businesses around. There's surprisingly no gentrification going on. Yeah. At least not Which yet. Which is what they don't want. This is the last thing that, yeah, because yeah. that doesn't make and en- things any better. That just runs people out of their homes. Um, they do really great setup of the characters in, in these uh, first moments of Fontaine waking up. We see a sense of him feeling kind of disconnected from the world, yeah. even just like in his own home. Like we, I mentioned earlier, he greets his mom, but only through her bedroom door. Not once does the door open. Yeah. Not once does the camera cut to the mom's face responding to him when he asks if she wants a sandwich. Um, and she just says no, and he's just like, okay, and walks out the door and starts his day. Does, yeah, you know? doesn't think twice about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that he is clearly affected by the loss of his younger brother. Um we so he already we're getting a setup of like a history and a world that he's already lived in before the movies even started. Yeah. Um so w- we already get a sense that I kind of feel for this guy and then when we see that he's a drug dealer we're just like oh no he's a really complicated guy. Mm-hmm. Especially because I guess at the beginning of the movie there's like a little boy um who is like a little informant basically and he pays him maybe he's supposed to pay him like 15 bucks gives the kids five <laughs> he owes bucks him 15 he's bucks. like you owe me and um he's got the kid riding around and the, i guess the kid's letting him know like what's going on yeah around the neighborhood mm-hmm. and so him and the kid they're in the car and he's driving around that's when fontaine hits isaac's guy with the car yeah and the little boy's just in there <laughs> totally unfazed <laughs> all the while talking about spongebob and calling fontaine a squidward and all. <laughs> it's, it's so funny and you know, Fontaine, like you could see like he's like pretending to be annoyed. I got the vibe. He was pretending to be annoyed with the kid playing it like that. But you could tell like he was connecting because he's like, I had a little brother. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. And he's like looking out for him, even though he does have him doing something that could extremely be extremely dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous for the kid. But there's yeah. still like that. Like you said, you feel for him. Because you could tell, yes, he's a drug dealer. He's probably done things. But he's not stuff. one-dimensional. Yeah, already, Right not. off the bat, exactly. you see that he's full of different shades and different dimensions. Exactly. And and that that's that's a running theme with all the characters that we follow soon after. Um, so, as you mentioned, he runs over one of Isaac's guys because he sees, hey, this guy don't belong in this part of the, the neighborhood. Yeah. What the hell is he doing here? This is my turf. Runs him over, <laughs> breaks his leg. And then that's basically starts the whole journey yeah, sets, from that point yeah um because th- then later on that sets up his death later on um we also get a setup of slick charles as a quirky also timid pimp but he also like has like this sort of heart to him that we see like he's there i think there's a reason why he's not so like tough and not so cold mm-hmm. there's like a humanity to him that we haven't yet seen yeah. Until the cloning stuff starts coming out. Um, so I really love and Jamie Foxx, he can just he's one of those actors where I forget I'm watching Jamie Foxx. He just bleeds into the character. Perfect. Like he really does. His character is different from what we've seen in his role in Spider-Man, way different from what we've seen in Django. Like he just he knows how to just blend in with the role so well. So we get his setup very quickly where he's this very eccentric, very funny. You just cannot take him seriously as a pimp. Um, and we get a bit of Yo-Yo as well. And with Yo-Yo, we see right off the bat, she is, she don't accept shit from anybody. She doesn't. She is so bold. She, she can say whatever she wants Mm -hmm. without consequence. And it's true because 
Slick Charles don't put a I hand. I know. I was going to say it's mostly because they're pimping shit. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> it's not, it's like, she's like, it's not like you're going to put hands on me or anything. Yeah. Or you're not going to do shit. And she, she's she's smart. She she is. She actually has like a college education. Yeah. Yeah. Which we learn later on. So I feel like, you know, like you said, there's reasons for her being in, you know, this this type of the job situation. and situation. Um, but she has goals and she tells Slick, she's like, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to go. I don't know. There's like an equivalent to like Bitcoin that she's talking about or whatever. But I'm like, yeah, probably do something better than like this Bitcoin thing or whatever. <laughs> but um, she she knows what she wants. It's just a matter of the environment that she's in being able to obtain that. Yeah. And getting out of that and, and doing what she really wants to do, which I think she wants to be like, um, like a reporter, a reporter for like news magazines. Yeah. Yeah. And she fantasizes about traveling the world. Yeah. Going on vacations. Cause that one point after, um, the three of them were in the lab and Fontaine's like freaking out. Um, they go back to her grandmother's house. Um, and you see, she's got accolades. She's got yeah, trophies. Trophies. She's got all Nancy books. Drew books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, so she's like clearly she had goals. There was there's more to her. Yep. You know. So. Yep. And this is a running theme for all the characters in general, which I really appreciate because with these types of characters, they're typically stereotyped in a lot of movie and shows where they're just one, one note characters, mm-hmm. almost like they were just born and raised as criminals. And nothing more. They a lot of shows and movies don't analyze how these people get to this place, because in our everyday lives, a lot of people have biases against homeless people, people that are in gangs and in drugs, not understanding how or why they got to that point in the first place. Yeah. So I really appreciate that the the mo- the movie really takes its time with the characters, not fully delving into how they got there, but you understand that these people had different lives before this you know, this life happened to them. Yeah. Um, and, and it fleshes them out that much more. They're not just a drug dealer, a pimp and or a hoe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're so not I, just that. There's definitely more to them because I feel like the, the story the just the movie itself would be a little lackluster. If that's all they were. Exactly. And you wouldn't care about them. Yeah. They would just feel like disposable characters. Exactly. So that they did a fantastic job doing the setup for the characters before the events of the laboratory. Um, so like we mentioned before, there's our three characters that are perfectly set up, uh, and they have a great chemistry. I've never seen these actors work together and, and they just, it's like they've known each other their whole lives. Yeah. And their banter is so hilarious. No matter what's going on, even in the darkest moments of this movie, somebody's saying some quippy <laughs> stuff and it's, it's still so freaking funny. funny yeah. I've, I can't, I, I really can count how many times or how many movies I've seen in one hand where I'm constantly laughing throughout the movie. Yeah, when they go into the lab and Fontaine steps into the elevator and then um, Slick Charles, like, he's not going in there. And because him and Yo-Yo are having a thing, Yo-Yo's like, well, I'm going. So then he goes after her. So the three of them are standing in the elevator. Fontaine's, you know, closest, um, you know, to the camera or whatever. And those two are in the back. And they're just like, I'm going down. And I'm just like, just a, why are you singing right now? We are going to this creepy <laughs> elevator we just found in a trap house, and these two idiots are in the back. Was it Yo Yo who started, or was it um, Slick? I feel like it might have been Slick. I, I think can't it was remember. Slick. And then, and I feel like that's like a Jamie Foxx. Fox, that probably yeah. wasn't even in the script. <laughs> he was just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just do me right now. And I just, I love that so much because I would, I was like, I'd be right there tuning in and and singing yeah. my part as well too. But it was, it was so funny, and I was just like, this is 
serious. Like, what's going on? Like, and yet it lab, works. It works. It just freaking works. And they keep having these moments like that throughout, throughout the, the whole movie. movie. <laughs> and it never gets old. Yes. It it's, just it's never so gets old. It's so good. And you can see, like, Fontaine's, like, annoyed, but... He's also kind of with it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> which just makes him even funnier. But... Yeah. Yeah. So... That's so funny. The three, they, they discover the lab and, you know... Fontaine yeah. is just like he's just beyond like freaked out finding his body in this lab. Yeah. You know, it Yeah, because that that's that is a whole existential crisis right there. You're yeah. looking at your own body. First you have to believe these two saying, "Yeah, you you, you died. died." Then you f- you find the proof, you find the body, and yeah. then it's just like, "Well, what are the answers?" cuz the one person that they found in this lab Slick Charles actually a creepy white man with a a uh, very uh, kinky afro. Yes, um, (laughs) Slick accidentally kills him, um, and that's because while they were in the lab looking around, um, they find they find this lab tech in there. They like you know hold him up at gunpoint, telling them like you know what's going on, what is all of this. Yeah. Um, at least Fontaine's doing that. Slick is at some counter sniffing some white powder. That makes him hysterically laugh. Yeah, just makes him start laughing. And then Yo-Yo takes some and then... She starts being Harry Potter and mixing potions, potions. and it causes an explosion. Yeah, and that startles <laughs> Slick after Fontaine tells him to like keep an eye on the guy and he, he shoots him. Yeah. And, you know, Fontaine finds his body and they're just like, okay, well, let's get out of here because, you know, we just shot somebody and yeah. you know it, it's they have to get out of there yeah but um moving on to the next scene where they're out trying to figure out you know what's what does this mean what do we go back to the house and fontaine just like trying to calm down um yo-yo mm-hmm. basically tells them we'll go back in the morning we'll we'll try to see what's going on at the house and see if we can get more answers mm-hmm he leaves first thing in the morning with his his basically his gang. They show up to the house, but <laughs> the house is and the, yeah, the house is completely empty of any sort of secret entrances. The yeah, it looks lab like a is, regular house. Yeah, the entrance to the lab is gone, so it's just a regular plain old house. And basically, he's at a dead end. So he's back to square one. He can't investigate any further. So the trio end up at a fried chicken spot. <laughs> To gather up their their what they've seen so far and try to figure out what is going on in this place because they can't ignore this. Yeah, they can't ignore this. So they basically meet up at a fried chicken spot, and right away when they start eating, some weird stuff starts going on. So basically, uh, is it? It's not Fontaine. It's Slick Charles who starts noticing. Starts everyone just starts laughing hysterically. Yeah. So basically, the restaurant that they're at serves fried chicken and like other food but mostly the fried chicken and a couple times um up until this point we see an ad for you know this restaurant and in the ad everyone's laughing and you just think oh it's just a commercial that's what yeah happened but yeah when fontaine and um slick and yo-yo are there they're eating they're laughing and we're seeing fontaine laugh Laugh for the first time ever yeah this dude doesn't crack a smile smile up until now Exactly. So I think that's kind of what triggered s- triggered Slick Charles. So he's like, whoa, huh? he's like Fontaine's laughing. So while he's <laughs> eating, he stops eating the the chicken. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, it's, it's, it's in the chicken. It's in the chicken. Yeah, guys, it's it's in the chicken. And then he like slaps all the food <laughs> off the table 
onto the floor. And it was like the funniest thing. Everybody around him is just like, man, what is, what is your problem or whatever. And, um, and he basically comes to the conclusion that whatever white powder he had sniffed the night before is in the food. Food, Exactly. Because so he had the same, same exact reaction. They do some further investigating where Yo-Yo, you know, goes <laughs> up to the store manager who also has a little Afro white guy with an Afro. Yeah, literally looks the exact same, same as the guy that died last night. night. Yeah, <laughs> maybe they got clones of themselves or something. It's yes. weird because he looks just like, didn't he look like the guy that's in the convenience store, too? Yes, we'll they, all the yeah, they all look the <laughs> same. Third time, I'm gonna watch it a third time because, like, <laughs> when I tell the cloning, the the yes, okay, but yeah. So Yo Yo basically, like, you know, seduces, seduces him, him to, to try to get some information from him and and see what's going on, and um, they get some information about basically deliveries going to different like stores and um, yeah, like different companies, companies and, and places around the Glen. So. Um, Slick gets into a van where it looks like these people who are working maybe in the labs are, um, you know, delivering uh, loading food, stuff up. loading stuff, um, and they're sending it to certain places. So, as we said, the fried chicken, that white powder is most likely in Laced it, and in that's controlling people into these laughing fit. Yeah. He also finds grape juice in the van, <laughs> and um, I think some perm Perms was well. also in the van as well, too. And we see that the perm is being delivered to a salon and mm -hmm. then the grape juice that was being bought by a church. Yes. Or was it delivered directly to the church? I assume it's just bought by the church. Cause then I think the church bought it. it from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it made its way to the church. So it's just like, okay, we got fried chicken, grape juice and perm, all these stereotypes, all the, all the known <laughs> stereotypes yeah. that has been peddled by white America. Because I like I like this point that the movie kind of uh, makes where it, it highlights these little like stereotypes of like black Americans enjoying fried chicken and grape juice and, you know, getting their hair done. But it's like it, it pokes fun at the fact that the stereotype comes from industries that push those products. Mm -hmm. It's not so much that it's an inherently black thing to eat fried chicken or to get your hair permed. It's something that just is consumed in this country. It sells. And I like that the 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 white substance kind of represents how that mind control that we have as consumers mm -hmm. where we're we see a commercial or we see something um in the store and we get conditioned to be like oh i have to buy that yeah i have to consume that um so yeah so we see that these products are being delivered to different places you mentioned that there was a woman in the salon complaining about was it like her job or something? Yeah, I think she was like a school teacher or something. Yeah, and yeah, she's yeah. She's like clearly not paid enough, and she was talking about how she has to buy, you know, supplies and all that stuff. And Out of as her own soon pocket. as the hairdresser applies the perm to her hair and massages it into her scalp, it's just like she's like, ah, oh, well, I guess it's not that big of a deal or whatever. And yeah. like, totally is just like, it's is fine with the fact that she's underpaid, overworked probably, and you know, having to pay for stuff that should be provided already. Um, so it's like another form of like this control that is being distributed in these products that are most likely coming from this lab um, mm -hmm. that they found. Yeah. So um, I think like at one point after the whole, you know, fried chicken thing, they um, get some more information from the homeless guy. At yes. The, um, frog. Yeah. Outside the um, like the convenience store. And um, he he doesn't really like give you details. He says like he says like these he says these cryptic messages, yeah, <laughs> um, which leads them to a church. And at that church, that's where we see the grape juice in effect, full yes. effect. 
um, mm. as that's going around the the church. Um, I'm I'm. It's been a while since I've been in a church, so I forget how the whole service goes <laughs> and what everything's <laughs> called. It is a very but hype black church. People yes. are up and dancing, singing, chanting. And but that's only after drinking the grape juice mm-hmm. um, from those little cups that they had. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, the pastor he was just saying. They were talking about, uh, I think, a young boy that had got um, killed. He was killed by police or something. And he was just basically saying that, you know, this is God's plan. And and, he starts saying disturbing lyrics. Yes. um, And and to, you know, believe and there's a reason for it. And And that's the the juice talking. And it's the juice because I was just like, no, there is no reason for a a young boy being gunned down for Mm -hmm. some supposed crime or anything like that. But the the pastor and what um the word he was speaking to these people it was for them to just accept and be okay with it because god said that you know or it's part of the plan it's part of the plan Mm -hmm. and it was so it made me uncomfortable especially watching it the second time i was just like wow it's just like not even just the grape juice itself i was just like you know this is supposed to be a, a safe place where people come and they believe and they worship and it's just like, look how easily, regardless of the intent of the person, good mm-hmm. or bad, how they can put this word out there and people consume it. People, yep. you know, they, they practice and, and this is what they consume so and believe so that way they can lead better lives. And the grape juice, whatever's in it, just turns it into something like that. It, it just made me uncomfortable. Ignorance. Yeah. And for them to be OK with it and just say, well, this happens. This is. This is normal for, you know, people to be gunned down by police or a young boy to, you know, it's all part of God's plan. And that's what we have to believe. And there's a reason for it when there's something else aside from that that could change in the community, how, you know, black people are treated. That's what would need to change. It has nothing to do with what religious you practice. It's just this needs to change in our society, but it's not. And Mm -hmm. they're being conditioned to believe that based off of the stuff that they're consuming that's being pushed on them to Mm -hmm. consume. So it was just that was really crazy. But this yeah. church also has an entrance to the <laughs> lab. That's where it's been moved to. To the lab. So to they the wait lab. until the service <laughs> is over to finally poke around. Yes. And finally they they are able to get another lead into the laboratory. And this time this entrance leads them to a much bigger section of the laboratory cuz like everything is spread They out there. they see so much. It, it's really disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's so basically um, once they get into the, the laboratory, they see very quickly that this project is spanning the entire area of the Glen. Mm-hmm. It's not just localized to that house. It's it's literally a whole underground world, yeah. essentially. And they're starting to discover there's clones of not just Tyrone, or, or not Fontaine, but everyone. Slick finds his clone. So, it, Which is a very interesting thing, because you and I noticed that there are clones for everybody Assuming, assumedly, everybody in that town. So Slick Charles, Fontaine, mm-hmm. but we don't ever see any clones of Yo-Yo. Exactly. Which is very interesting. Which and then that ties into something else later on. Um, but I just thought that was very interesting. There's never an explanation or any suggestions as to why there's no clones of her, especially when she mentioned that she's grown up in this town. So you would assume they could easily collect her DNA like they did everyone else. Well, didn't she? She went to college. She did, but Maybe remember, she, she left, came well, back. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I assume this this project took like decades to do because this is a long, this is a very large project, and cloning is like 
a serious advanced thing that yeah. humans are still barely tapping into for mm. plants and animals. Um, I just I'm I'm going based off of my assumptions. They never give you enough information. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that could be part of it, but I feel like they could have easily obtained her DNA to make a clone. But for whatever reason, we never see a clone of Yo-Yo. Yeah. She's one of a kind. She's special. <laughs> yeah. But um, in so the lab, yeah. they basically, as these two are like, oh, three, sorry, these three are sneaking around. Um, they are dressed in, um, you know, these costumes that make them look like everybody else down there. And there are rooms that they're walking by where there are people that we see. There's posters around the Glen where people are missing. This is where they are. They've been sent to these labs or captured and um, put in these labs to have experiments run on them. Mm -hmm. um, there's one lab where there's these two guys and they're fighting as this music plays. And it's based off of, you know, the music that's playing with the lyrics, basically telling them to hurt each other, fight each other. And then right. the music changes to something that's a little more calm, telling them to like hug it out and be kind to each other, which they start to do. And then there's another lab where there's like a woman sitting in a chair and her eyes are literally pried open so she can consume whatever's on a screen in front of her. Yeah. And it was just like, it was so like, it was just crazy. And they were just walking by like, oh my God. So this has been happening the whole time under here. Like this is where people yeah. have been missing to. Yeah. So they, they just witnessed a bunch of disturbing behavioral experiments being forced upon these people. Mm-hmm. And this is like one of those parts of the movies where it genuinely gets disturbing and creepy. Like there's barely any room for jokes here. Yeah. Which I appreciate. The The director really knows when to balance the humor with the serious. And this is one of the moments where I'm just like, I feel like I'm watching. I'm going through a Resident Evil moment right now <laughs> where the game's over. Like this is no joke. This is really scary. <laughs> yeah. Um. So th after they start poking around, uh, I believe Fontaine hits the alarm. And then that's when they exit through like a nightclub, right? He doesn't hit an alarm. He shoots up his clone. He shoots up a clone. Oh, yeah. I don't remember. remember? So oh, this is is, yeah. is it the? It wasn't the creepy, dapper-looking guy with the comb over and the beard. No, no, no. It's not that clone. No, no. You're you're <laughs> you're ahead. You're ahead right there. Okay. No, but yeah. So when this is like when they go through the church and they get to the lab again and how they see everything that's down there, this is where they discover all of the clones. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Slick Charles sees his clone and then Fontaine, he's looking at his clone. It looks like there's like quite a few um, a clones of Fontaine um, down there um, where they discover all these clones. And at one point, the scene cuts away from Fontaine, like looking at his clones and it's on Yo-Yo and Slick Charles. And then you hear shots fired. And oh, I think yeah, it's yeah. because Fontaine, oh, yeah. he's okay. like so... He's so just worked just, up. He's angry. Yeah, he's angry. He shoots the clones. That sets off the alarm. And then those three, they have to get out of there. So they exit. Um, they find an exit from the labs and the need. And it comes out into um, like a strip club or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so as they're coming out, um, the DJ that's in this club, he's he um, he's given a message. He's just like, we got like three bogeys or whatever coming out the back or whatever, <laughs> like, you know, intercept them. So he sees them coming out of like the dressing room area. And then um, he starts to play this music. Yeah. And the music's supposed to hypnotize the everyone, crowd. the entire crowd. And for a second, it's starting to like get slick. And then Yo-Yo realizes she's just like, it's the music, like cover your ears, like let's get out of here. So they are, they are able to get out of the club and you know they take a car and at that point the dj plays some other music or he he stops the music actually and he tells them he's just like 
go after these people basically at this point <laughs> it's not even i'm not even gonna play music it's, it's not like, even the music anymore Lord, just go just go get these people so everybody in the club just gets up and just starts basically chasing it looks like, like a, a horde of zombies zomb- exactly yes so they find they get out of there for like a little bit and then like get into the car get into the car they drive up the road i slick charles really said <laughs> let's get out of this new, this thriller video <laughs> <laughs> yes little comments like this from slick um and yeah but something happens with the car and it gets stopped and that's when we are introduced to nixon nixon well, a proper name <laughs> for, the, for this villain <laughs> of course nixon <laughs> yeah creepy white guy named nixon who basically just he's the expository dump of why they're doing these experiments Mm -hmm. so yeah so he basically controls the whole crowd to back away from the car the trio gets out of the car gives the whole explanation basically saying that these experiments are basically to make america safe by being able to control black people's behavior which definitely highly disturbing and highly racist (laughs) To assume that controlling black people is what's going to keep America calm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not even going to get into that one. No, we should get into it. <laughs> we don't have enough time, Alvin. <laughs> we don't have enough time. So he basically exposits all that. And he also flexes a, uh, an ability by using the words Black Olympia. Or is it Olympia Black? Olympia Black. Olympia yeah. Black. Because... Fontaine is just ready to shoot this guy. Which makes sense because after all the shit he was talking about, you know, what what they're doing, the experiments, and he's just like, I'll give you guys two options. You can walk away and pretend like none of this happened. Or I kill you. Or I kill you. And he's Which, just honestly, that that's like one little plot hole that, for me, it feels like a plot hole. What? I feel like if he had just killed them and just put in some new clones, the yeah. problem would erase itself. Yeah. <laughs> At least for a while. That's true. That, that, but that, well, that's, I'll let that slide because the movie had to continue. <laughs> it did, but I wonder if this also brings us to the fact that we haven't seen any yo-yo clones because, I mean... They yeah, again, I, that, that came to mind. I'm like, why is it that... Isn't she a major part in Slick Charles' life? So if she's dead and they don't have clones for her. Yeah, I don't know because Olympia Black also doesn't affect her either. It doesn't. She's able to move freely and talk freely. Exactly. It affects... Fontaine and it affects Slick Charles. Exactly. Anyone that has a clone, basically. So the fact that it doesn't affect her, again, it just ties back to why doesn't she have a clone? Mm-hmm. There's just something special and unique about her that again the movie doesn't it doesn't get to. And I think they're just they want us to figure it out on our own with our own interpretations. I don't know if it's like a a symbol of somebody being woke in this country where they just don't let any ignorance overcome them. Because, again, this goes back to her having dreams of getting outside of this hood and going out to make a career for herself. Yeah. She was threatening Slick Charles early at the beginning of the movie that she was just going to leave because she was tired of his shit. Yeah. And that that's a, a constant thing that she brings up, that she can't stay here. She can't accept any of this stuff, and she wants to move forward with her life. I don't know. I, I really don't know besides that. I don't know if it's because she's somebody who is woke essentially she's someone who's aware of all the bullshit she Mm -hmm. refuses to ingest it she refuses to numb herself with anything so i don't know if that is part of why she doesn't have any clones and why olympia black doesn't affect her yeah um and 
I also I don't know because you I think you had asked before if there was any significance to the words Olympia Black. Yeah, I was like, well. did I miss something earlier with? There was nothing, nothing mentioned. Yeah, that but would tie I, it to it. I did like a little rabbit hole digging. <laughs> what you? Find? I don't know. I don't know. I've. T- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this. If, if this is what the director had in mind or the writer had in mind, but I just I just dug into the history of the Olympics in general, because when I hear Olympia, I think of the Greek Olympics, yeah. the ancient um, Olympics that they used to have. And then I somehow ended up in the 1936 Olympics that was held in Germany when Hitler was in power. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> just before World War Two hit, he had hosted the, the, the Olympics and um we had the famous Jesse Owens, a black American athlete who did track and field, who is a legend. And he had legendary wins in that um, Olympic game by winning four gold medals for the United States. And, uh, and supposedly it really frustrated Hitler, but he didn't show it publicly. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Jesse Owens, Hitler had actually waved at him like to greet him, to salute him for his victory. But apparently he he was infuriated that a black American had won in the games against his Aryan race and his superior Aryans. Uh. And he basically he I, I this was a, a recounting of somebody else who supposedly talked with Hitler and worked with him. Hitler basically had said, like, oh, we shouldn't compare ourselves to blacks anyways, because they're um, we are like uh, Europeans are essentially um what is the word I'm looking for? Um, God, I, I'm I'm losing the word, but so essentially saying they're too sophisticated to compare themselves to black people. They're like mm-hmm. he's basically um, equating black people as wild animals. So there's no point in comparing Europeans to uh. a wild animal because it's an unfair advantage. Wow. And I yeah, it's so I went into that whole rabbit hole, and then it t- I went back to Olympia Black. I was just wondering. I don't know if it's like an ironic joke that the director made whenever somebody says Olympia Black and a black person is controlled. Yeah. Because w- there's that's part of racism is that white people think that they are superior to black people when we've shown time and time again that's just not the case that nobody is superior to anybody and black people just they they excel in ath- athleticism, I'm sorry. White man can't jump. <laughs> <laughs> So I I don't know I've that that's just me going down a rabbit hole. Does Olympia Black mean anything? For all we know, it could possibly mean absolutely nothing. I just wonder. I like what you came up with. I just don't get because it's so random. Olympia Black. I'm just like you could throw any random words as your trigger word. Exactly. Like uh, why why is it that Olympia Black turns you into Winter Soldier (laughs) 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 for being black? (laughs) Like. (laughs) So I really wonder if there's a connection to the Olympics to um, because this this teases into like what we discover further about the project, which we'll get into soon. But it it just brings up the themes of black people being seen as inferior, being incompetent, being ignorant when the movie is showing us that black people, they are resourceful. They are strong. They're. They they can do anything even when they're suppressed by governmental forces because hoods don't just happen on their own. Mm-hmm. Hoods don't just happen just because black people are ignorant. The hood happens because white people intentionally 
have put them in places that are underfunded, under-resourced, and you can't blame anybody for the choices that they make to survive. And I, I like that the movie just is still highlighting that theme that, yes, this character is a pimp, this character is a drug dealer, they're doing very pro- problematic, dangerous things, but you get why they're in this situation and why they're doing this. Yeah. They're not necessarily being villainized. In fact, they're being given a chance to be heroes in this, which is why they're trying to uncover this whole evil Nancy Drew, Scooby-Doo-like <laughs> mystery. <laughs> um, but that was my whole little dive into Olympia Black. Um, after that moment, um, they get a chance to survive. Yeah. So Yo-Yo decides not to retaliate. So the trio, they get to survive. The next day, Fontaine is, he's just at his lowest point. He's like, you know what? Since it's, since we can't control anything, look at how this guy controlled me last night. He's just like. Everything's pointless. Yeah. He feels that he, he says some really sad things to Yo-Yo when she's trying to have a conversation with him about like what to do next. Cause she, again, she still can't give this up. Yeah. Even after what happened last night, she cannot give this up. So she's talking to Fontaine and she's telling him, like, we got to keep fighting. But Fontaine's like, nah, I'm, I'm part of the problem. Like, I do bad things. I make bad things happen. Yeah. I'm oh, not even really so me. Sad. It was I really sad. <laughs> and John Boyega's delivery is so good. It's like he knows how to, for this particular character, he knows not to go overboard with his expression of emotions. Yeah. He's he knows how to play someone who's still trying to keep a hardened exterior, but you yeah. see cracks of his vulnerability and his softness and his humanity, mm-hmm. and that's what bring that's what Yo-Yo brings out of him. That's what she brings out of everyone, and we see that he's very tortured and he's he's just completely down in the dumps. And this is just a feeling that so many Americans feel, no matter if you're like at the very lowest part of the tax bracket or if you're like working class. If you're struggling in some capacity, you feel this way to some extent, how you just you just feel like a piece of the machine and that you can't do further to make things better for yourself or for everyone else. So he's unmoving. He's convinced that he can't do anything. So Yo-Yo decides that she's going to just leave town. And <laughs> there's a moment of, of, of levity here where she's basically dressed as like Carmen Sandiego, just in a big trench coat, sunglasses, <laughs> Not a very good disguise because an, another uh, sex worker oh, just yeah. calls her out immediately. I'm like, yo, yo, it's <laughs> you, girl. It looks good. And I'm, just, <laughs> I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as she gets called out, that a mysterious black van just pulls up, yeah. kidnaps her. And we're like, ah, shit. Here comes a rescue mission. Mm-hmm. So Fontaine finally links up with um, with Slick Charles. They They share a drink together and they kind of go over what's been going on the past night, the past, like, two nights, probably. Um, And they basically come to a decision, finally, that they're going to do something about uncovering this laboratory because they both agree that Yo-Yo is right. And and this just proves that you guys, men, just got to listen to black women because black women are right. Exactly. (laughs) Don't at me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they basically come up with this plan to, like, find yo-yo they have to go find yo-yo and then save her basically mm-hmm. um and get her out of that lab and basically expose the lab and what's going on in the glen mm-hmm. um so this is where 
I guess Fontaine and Slick they end up working with Isaac. Yep, the, uh, the, the rival gang. <laughs> yeah, the uh, ri- rival gang member, and it takes some convincing. Um, but they convince him what's going on, and this whole time it was like a little confusing for me the first time when I watched. I was just like, wait, I was like, does he know what's going on? Because, because Fontaine gets shot again, again by Isaac, by Isaac and when he proposes like, the plan. Wait, what? But <laughs> I don't know. Do you know how to explain the plan better than I did? Because I was still like, when I watched the second time, I was like, wait. But it, it was really funny once I realized yeah. that he was rehearsing lines so that way he could have everything scripted. Because if we didn't mention <laughs> it, yes, there's a lab underneath the Glen, and yes, there are cameras set up everywhere yeah. around the Glen and they're so they're always being observed they're always being observed and and they're being watched so basically slick um and Fontaine and Isaac and everybody else involved they had to pretend that they were just doing what was expected of them to be regular doing. routines regular routines um all the while they are you know passing along information so that way they could get everything set in doing motion. it old school passing the messages orally no text messages no yeah. Not, not, not even a bird messenger, just straight up pretending to have sex with prostitutes, pretending to do drug deals yeah. so they can pass along messages to be like, we got to meet with Isaac. We have a plan. We, we got to let these people know there are clones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I guess um, Fontaine getting shot by Isaac was part of the plan to yes. convince him that, that yes, this is, real. this is real. There's clones because I'm going to show up here again tomorrow and you're going to be like, well, what the But fuck? Fontaine also <laughs> needed an end to the laboratory that because. Too. Yes. They had a hard enough time getting into the lab a second time. Mm-hmm. It was probably near impossible to find another entrance. Yeah. So they needed a direct entry, and Fontaine gets shot by Isaac, Isaac knowing the plan already. So Fontaine is now in the lab and basically is able to give everyone the okay to barge into the laboratory through yeah. a corner store. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so essentially... Um, and then we have Yo-Yo is revealed to be captured by Nixon, and they're pre- they're preparing to like do experiments on her as well. Yeah, with the perm. With the, yeah, they're yeah. about to put the the mental the mental perm. <laughs> the mental. Perm. <laughs> I don't know yes. what to call it, the the mind control perm. That sounds a little better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they have her strapped down and um you know ready to put the perm in her hair um, but it doesn't work. Yeah. Because a Yo-Yo is wearing a really nice wig and um (laughs) uh, i think what is it slick actually like um called her out earlier in the movie and stuff like that i think he's like a fake ass hair or something (laughs) like that he said and then um i was like panicking i know i was like oh my god they're gonna put it in her hair and then she's gonna (laughs) blah blah blah. and then i was like oh shit she's wearing her wig yeah so like she pretends that like oh it's working it's mind control so then as soon as the people experimenting on her like get relaxed because they're like all right she's knocked out or whatever she's you know under she gets up and she just whacks the shit out of them. <laughs> um, and at, it's a perf- all perfect timing because that's when most of the Glens already down there, like, you know, messing up the lab. Yeah. Chasing all the little lab techs and stuff. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's a riot. It, it really is. It's so funny. It's so funny. And one of Fontaine's guy, the one that always carries this little electric fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was sitting in one of the control rooms on the phone with one of his friends. He's like, like yeah. Yo, come through. Come through. <laughs> And, He's and bring like, shoddy because yeah, I wanted to come through. And bring our friends, too. <laughs> <laughs> it was too funny. But see, even when they got to take things seriously, they can't take things seriously. Exactly. <laughs> like, you'll be I cracking up, but also making sure you're watching out for, like, 
things that are like going down and like what's happening. Yeah. Um, and it's hilarious. As we mentioned before, Fontaine, um, I, I want to call him the real, Fo- we'll call him the real Fontaine for now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause he's the one we've been following for most of the movie. Yeah. Protagonist um, Fontaine. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll call him the real Fontaine. Mem- um, as he's been down in the lab, he had to find a way to get in. He was actually shot by Isaac. So he's actually suffering from a gunshot wound in the shoulder and um, he ends up running into his Samuel L. Jackson from Pulp Fiction ass <laughs> clone. Frederick um, Douglass looking, looking ass. ass self. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who was there the Named, night? What was his name? Chester? Chester. Yes. <laughs> Chester. He was the clone that was there the night with Nixon when the three, the trio they got um, out discovered of the nightclub. out of the nightclub. Yeah. Um, and it looks like this guy, Nixon, has Chester like he brings Chester around with him. Whatever. Bodyguard. So um, Fontaine um, ends up, you know, running into Chester and they fight. And, you know, Chester gets a bit of him, obviously, because Fontaine's already injured. Yeah. Um, and then Chester basically um, brings him to another clone or no not another clone the, the original o- the og the real real elderly fontaine. fontaine old fontaine old fontaine yeah yep and then fontaine is completely shook because now he's seeing an older version of himself as if things weren't weird enough seeing your own dead clones of yourself mm-hmm. now there's somebody that looks exactly like you who's like freaking 70 years old and then we get another expository moment where old fontaine basically explains why this cloning program is in place to begin with it isn't just to quote unquote keep america safe it is to literally whitewash black people to transition them from black people to white people because he was so traumatized by the loss of his brother which the the younger brother we see in the photo is the brother of the original old fontaine Mm -hmm. that he had lost during a police shooting it was a racially motivated shooting which is way too familiar so that trauma just stayed with him and festered in him and really made him think that literally whitewashing black people is what's going to get them saved and safe from any racial violence, mm-hmm. which is why we've been seeing a bunch of weird looking like mismatched white people with afros. <laughs> um, and then he makes a comment about how they're, they're getting close, but the, the, the hair is so stubborn. <laughs> and I love that he says that because... That's kind of like the director saying, like, yeah, that's right, motherfucker. Like, the hair stays. Mm-hmm. Blackness can't be killed. It mm-hmm. can't be erased. Like, they're, st- they're still going to be around no matter what you do to these bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, be- so he's basically getting into eugenics, which is a very disturbing philosophy that scientists has had had before about improving the race and, and bettering the race by basically just, like, experimenting on people that are not white and that that's basically the camp that old Fontaine is in. So he is performing eugenic science to try to save black people. And it's very misguided. Yeah. It's awful. But I like that he at least has a, a strong enough motivation for why he would get behind something so awful. Yeah. Because he's not. I mean, you can say that he's also just being controlled by white people too at the end of the day. Yeah, because at the end of the day, he's his overlords are white people. Yeah. And his trauma that led him to this, to wanting to do this, was caused also by white people. Yeah. So he even literally says assimilation is better than extermination or something along the lines of that. Yeah. And I'm just like, nah. 
And oh, Fontaine's no. like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Olympia Black. Olympia Black. <laughs> Chester shoot him. Yeah, which Chester does end up shooting and killing um, old Fontaine. Which is like another Fontaine. little plot hole, I guess. But I guess technically not. Because I'm just like, why would you make a password that anybody else could access? Yeah. <laughs> well, the real mistake there was them letting... Fontaine and Slick and Yo-Yo lived that night yep, when they caught them. That was them. the biggest so mistake that, that was they the made. Biggest mistake. They probably, they probably really expected it to be like the oh yeah, I'm a minority. I'm in this shit, you know, community, yeah. and you know, I'm not gonna go anywhere. So why fight it? I yeah. think Nixon was really counting on them not fighting it. Yeah. So that's why. And I think he let them live. I wonder if the director made these character these white characters have so much oversight because that's kind of a real thing where white people constantly underestimate yes. people of color and black people, mm-hmm. indigenous people. Like, <laughs> so I don't know if that's like a running joke that he tried to put in there or if it's really just like convenience and plot holes. Well, I'm running with it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, our Fontaine that we follow uses the code where Olympia Black is able to control Chester and con- and controls him to shoot OG Fontaine because he really just wasn't having that story. Yeah, he just he just wasn't having it. he and I, I I love that because even though he knows pick me pick me go on. <laughs> Do you think the Olympia Black um like whatever that is supposed to be the yeah. words or whatever really yeah, did it. work or did you think Chester? was just like listening to what elderly Fontaine said. And he's just like, wait, what? <laughs> and then he's just like, you know what? I'm going to shoot him. I'm going to do it. Or do you think it was really the code word that uh, the, the mind control that worked? Because what he was saying was pretty fucked up. And it is. any clone that wakes up um, and, and knows that I'm not real, I'm here because of this. Like, <laughs> I would say that would be a really cool turn of events, but I don't think they they set it up that way because mm-hmm. I feel like the way that would have been filmed, they would have had like a close up of Chester mm-hmm. physically or emotionally reacting to it with his face and then That's, making yeah. a choice. That could be true. Um, and we see that the, um, the only reason that he's being able to being controlled so easily is that he's programmed. He's got the, the white powder in his system, whether mm-hmm. it's in his hair or in his food. So he's perfectly mind controlled from what we see, what the camera shows us. Mm-hmm. It's it's angled in a way where he was controlled. There's I because I, we rewatched it twice and I didn't see any moments where it looked like he broke out of his trance yes. and decided to make that decision. Yeah. That would have been cool. Yeah. I think I actually would have liked that better. Yeah, because then it kind of erases the little plot hole of like, well, anybody could say Olympia Black right. and just fucking kill each other. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I now that you say that, I wish that the director had written that. Like I said, I'm a watch. Another time, I'm going to look closely. I will find that look. I don't know, Jess. I think you should be a (laughs) co-writer. I actually really like that idea. I wish, I really wish that that was a thing. Yeah. But, I mean, this this works too, I guess. But from what I've seen, no, I I don't think there's any interpretation. That he could have just broken out of that. Yeah. 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 Would have been cool, but no, I don't think that's what happened. Mm -hmm. So, the main villain gets taken down. (laughs) So, that Uncle Tom is gone. (laughs) because <laughs> he's he essentially is like an evil uncle tom like i get his trauma i get his reasoning and that's what makes a good villain yeah even if you're not agreeing with what the villain is doing as long as they have an emotionally charged backstory and motive that is compelling enough you can at least be like ah oh, i see why you think this is a good idea but you still ain't shit you're yeah you ain't <laughs> shit you gotta go you gotta, you gotta go, go. Uh, yeah no 
So he's gone. <laughs> um, so now we get to the basically the finale. So everyone has been storming the 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 laboratory. All the clones are getting freed. Mm-hmm. Old Fontaine is gone, so the operation is officially shut down. And we basically now have them back out into the the Glen Town. We have news reporters rushing in. Yeah. The the news media is just in a frenzy covering all these naked clones. Yeah, there's just, just naked people walking around and there's so much confusion and, and the people in the Glen, um, you know, the ones that stormed or whatever, you can see them coming together. Mm-hmm. I mean, they already came together to storm the labs, but yeah. they're coming together, checking on the clones that are just walking around confused. Mm-hmm. You have the news reporters like trying to speak to the clones, but I'm like, they just woke up. They don't know what's going on. Yeah. And it's so funny. You have that one guy on his phone filming everything. He's like, they out here cloning, motherfucker. <laughs> The same thing you see like in every viral video, video of yes. a news reporter in the hood. It was so funny. That's and then so the, the news guy, he's like, yes, what that's what he said. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what's going that's on. That's a prevailing theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's basically what's going on. The news is being, you know, it's around the world or around Finally the Finally, the world is is learning about this yeah. heinous, heinous project. And um, the, the trio, they, they meet up again and it looks like they are going to have plans to actually maybe leave the Glen. Um, they want to head to Memphis, Memphis to, yeah. to shut down another project, project over there. Yes, because it's it's sounds like it's happening everywhere. And yes. People don't know. I mean, they Fontaine, old Fontaine had mentioned that this is something that's taking place in other places like Detroit, L.A., um, all over the country, essentially. So, yeah. So Memphis is only one of many uh, places in America where these cloning experiments are happening yeah so do we cut to la now yeah (laughs) that's that's the end of the movie so we can we cut to a scene that takes place in la we immediately follow another guy that looks exactly like fontaine slightly different hair living a similar style he looks like he's in he's in the hood yeah and this guy's name is tyrone He's not Fontaine. His name's Tyrone. It's Tyrone. <laughs> and he's sitting down with his boys watching the news, and they're seeing all this unfold. And then they fu- the camera finally uh, pans over to a, a naked clone of um, Fontaine. And then his friends look at him, and they go, yo, ain't that you? Yes. And then we see Tyrone's expression on his face of, like, just... <laughs> Like, just mind just blown. Yeah. And he's like, what the hell? And then it just smashes to credits. And then we get a funny ass revision of Erica Badu's Tyrone song. Yes. Where she literally changed the lyrics about literally being about cloning Tyrone. Think they might have cloned Tyrone. <laughs> cloned him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's essentially that's the end of the movie. <laughs> yes. It's so funny. And that's like. I think that was the best way to end this movie. Yeah. For anyone wondering, why is it called They Clone Tyrone? That was the biggest question that I had because we, we watched this twice. Following Fontaine. We f- yeah. There was no, not a single character named Tyrone up until the very, the very end. end of the movie. Yes. And I remember you and I were discussing it after our second watch because I had brought the question. I'm like, why the hell is it called Tyrone then? If yeah. Tyrone's not a character. I mean, it just sounds good because they clone Fontaine. That, that, d- that don't flow out the mouth. Uh, yeah, exactly. it doesn't. It does. <laughs> <laughs> they clone Tyrone flows a lot better. So I was I was guessing that maybe it's, it's just one big punchline because 
when I look back at the story, there's just no other narrative purpose for exactly. why it's called They Clone Tyrone. Yeah. And then I just decided to do some digging again. So I looked up an interview that um, Jewel Taylor had with, I believe, The Hollywood Reporter. Mm-hmm. And they got to the question of why it's called why They Clone Tyrone. And he basically said, oh, it's just a joke. I thought it was funny. <laughs> we always like they always knew that there was going to be a character named Tyrone, but that he was never going to be the main character. And his friends essentially egged him on to just be like, just call it that. Just call it They Clone Tyrone. Yeah. And he just was worried that it wasn't going to make sense. But then he revealed that the original title, the original title was going to be called Reagan era or something like that. Something to do with like Reagan, because the the movie clearly has also strong ties to the Reagan era where, you know, the 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 whole crackdown on like the war on drugs was like a huge, powerful, awful thing that influenced this movie Mm -hmm. from what I've seen. So I felt like that title would have just been too on the nose. And I'm really glad he yeah. just stuck with They Clone Tyrone. And I probably wouldn't have watched it. If I'm, I'm yeah, because Reagan era is just, it doesn't sound like, it sounds like a very right wing documentary. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and it's on Netflix? Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even with the fabulous ta- trailer that came out, I'm just like, Reagan era? Yeah. <laughs> so They Clone Tyrone is essentially just one big funny punchline and he was able to get Erica Badu to get in on the punchline as well. Yeah. Which I just fucking love. Because she loves her some Boyega. I understand. <laughs> yeah. The whole cast is amazing. This movie is so freaking good. Mm-hmm. I want to say it should have been in theaters, but I know that if it was in theaters, it would not have made money. It wouldn't have. It just uh, The promotion, I know, wouldn't have been good. And historically speaking, science fiction movies have always had a hard time being promoted in the United States. Mm-hmm. Because with it's not like b- typical blockbuster movies where like, you know, with a rom-com, you know exactly how to market it. With a comedy, you know how to market it. Yeah. You know, action, comic book movies. And people know how to movies. receive that because it's simple. It's, yeah. With yeah. science fiction movies, a lot of times there's so many layers to it that you can't give away so much in a trailer. Mm-hmm. And our audiences are just not conditioned to hunt for movies that are a little too mysterious and they never really found a way to properly market science fiction movies. Like I remember when Annihilation had first come out by directed by Alex Garland, that made like almost no money. And this mm. was um I believe this came out through Fox. It's not even an independent studio. Mm. And there just wasn't enough promotion because they didn't know how to promote a science fiction movie that deals with themes of self-destruction with a very like unconventional plot. Yeah, this is a little unconventional as well, but I don't know. I don't know if 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 there was a way to market this better that it could have had success in theaters. But I don't even remember the trailers. All I know is that I saw three beautiful brown people. Reactors that we really love to see. Yeah, and the title was like funny, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, but I don't. I don't remember what they put in the trailer where I was just like, "Oh shit!" Like. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I I wasn't like, oh, what clones and and what is this? And Tyrones, and Tyrones, <laughs> and, like I, I, yeah, I I had no idea. I was just like, yeah. oh, I like those three faces. Yeah, the title sounds funny. I'll check it out. Yeah, you know, um, definitely. So yeah, you're right about uh, promoting and yeah, yeah. If it was in theaters, I don't think it would have done well at all. Yeah, because now it's it's been what it's been a few. It's been like a month basically. Yeah, 
coming to a month. Now, coming to a month. And there's and not a lot of conversation around, around it. it. Exactly. There's very few people that I follow on YouTube that have actually talked about it, yeah. which is surprising. I, I've, there's like maybe one or two people mm-hmm. out of like the dozens of people that I follow who do movie reviews that have not touched this movie. And it really needs to be discussed because it is just not only is it smart, it's just so entertaining. Yeah. Even if you don't pick up on the things that you and I have been plucking out of this. Yeah. If you just watch it as just like as a movie for entertainment, it is so fun. Mm -hmm. It's hilarious. There's moments of genuine suspense and dread and creepiness. Yeah. And it's got heart too. It's got characters that are, they're basically like outsiders in society that we normally look down upon. They get a chance to be heroic Mm -hmm. because again, yes, the things that they're doing are problematic but that doesn't mean that they can't find redemption and find growth and self-development um, in the situation that they're in. And that's really like the heart and the core of the story is that people in the hood, they're not one type of person. Yeah. They, they are not just one type of person. Just because you see them on your drive to work, they're, they're fully formed people and they're responding to an environment that is extremely difficult nearly impossible for most of them to get out of working against them yeah exactly and this is all just tied to systemic and structural racism that we're facing in real life and to have a sci-fi spin where they use clones as a means to like highlight how black people have been suppressed in this country for so long to hold them in place intentionally economically and socially I think it just it just all blended in well together. I I, I don't really have any major complaints mi- minus like a few little minor plot holes here and there. Um th- this is a very like potent story. I I can't really imagine telling it in in a better way. And it, it just does, it it takes a really fresh take on the cloning like uh trope as well yeah because it, it, there's so many like movies and books about like clones and how it's all about like um you know these crises that clones have when they find out that they're not the original clone they touch on that but then they elevate it to something else something relatable to the experience of black americans and it's something that everyone can appreciate even if you're not a black person yeah like me as a puerto rican in salvador and i can look at this and be like dude i understand everything like this is this is one of those stories that needs to be told and shared. And I, I hope more people check this out after our review because it, it's really just a really fun time. It's definitely worth watching. Yeah. And I, I really want more movies like this. We got to look out for this director because that's, that's a really Don't strong start. Don't jinx it. <laughs> Gosh. I know. Don't jinx it. Nah, he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I, I also picked up on like themes of like, the myth of black on black crime. I hate that there's still there there's there's people that I've known personally, like even coming out of college that still like ran with the narrative that black on black crime is a real thing. That that black people just intentionally just do bad things to each other because they're black and not because they're in underfunded areas. Like yeah. I like that this movie highlights that as well and how that just isn't the case. And it's just all about like narratives that are framed by white people in power. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's just like so much to unpack here. I don't know. Is, were there any things that you wanted to mention that we might have missed? I feel like there's just like so much. There's, yeah, there's <laughs> literally so much. Like I'm just like thinking I'm like this should definitely be like in a 
cinema studies class or africana Absolutely. studies class for like review and like you I know research so. writing papers and discussions like this just this literally takes me back to me like man if i was in college i would take this class and write this paper this is what i would write my <laughs> paper on um, i know this would be so good for that because like i said i definitely I, i'm gonna watch this again yeah like there's, yeah, me there's too. so much to unpack and so much to discuss, like just watching it. Mm-hmm. I feel like every time we're, we, we watch it and we're going to watch it, we're going to have something else to say about it. Yeah. Something else to talk about. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it was is there's something like a little disturbing and there are moments that made me uncomfortable. Some of them were relatable. Some of them I, I see around me, you yeah. know, in my everyday. Mm hmm. And it was just so like the way they did it, like the way they executed like this message and just like this. It didn't feel preachy. It didn't feel it just felt like, huh, wow, yeah, I I get this. I relate to this. I yeah. I understand this. This is Or like this is an in, a very interesting way to spin it. Spin it. Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. how it felt. And that's also another thing that made it very enjoyable, um, is just how they put this together. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Definitely. And man, I don't know. Th- this cast is amazing. I love that these three work together. And I hope we get to see more of them together in future projects because their chemistry was just off the charts. And Teona Paris specifically, I've, I've really only been exposed to her in WandaVision and a few other things. I think she was also in the new Candyman movie. Yes, she definitely was yeah. in that. Um, I feel like I just started getting exposed to her just like the last two years, but I'm sure she's yeah. had a lengthy career. Yeah, she was in the Dear White People film. Oh, yeah. Um, I did not like that movie. I didn't like that it. And then awesome. I ended up not liking the show because I don't know where the hell they were. <laughs> <on that show. laughs> yeah, no, let's um, not get into that. <laughs> yeah, sh- I know like nobody probably knows this movie, but I th- um, the photograph with Issa Rae um, in Lakeith, remember yeah, we went I to remember go see that? Yes. It wasn't that, was that a, like amazing of a movie. It was, it just was a like, nice date night movie. Yeah, a date night movie yeah. with brown people. So that's why people don't really remember <laughs> it. But go watch that. I that's, told, yeah, I remember that was a that really one. cute movie. She's gonna be in the Marvel. She was in WandaVision. That's where I like yes. first realized I was Started just like taking notice of her. Taking notice of her because um, like you said, she's she's been in other stuff. But I think it was like the WandaVision. I was just like, who is she's Monica Rambo? Mm. I like Monica Rambeau. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. And her character is just such a standout. She really is. She's just so magnetic and she's so full of heart. And mm-hmm. she's the reason why the trio gets out of this safe and sound. Yeah. And is able to save other people mm-hmm. because she is just unyielding. She really just will not take no for an answer. And even I feel like, yes, they, they came to expose the lab and save her. But I was like, she probably didn't even need saving. <laughs> I know somehow she probably could have broke out. She probably could have broke out, which she was. She never stopped fighting. Yeah, you know she never. She always was like a plan. She's gonna come up with something. She's gonna do something. Um, yeah. which I really liked about her character. Yeah. Um, driven and and like I said, that's probably why she didn't have a clone that we know of. Maybe why she wasn't mind controlled because she's clearly, you know, she's got a mind of her own. And yeah. She's she's got goals. She's got dreams. She's got you know. Yeah this drive in her, which I really like about her character. And I feel like they, they've, it, it just felt natural to write her this way because there's just so many women, particularly black women who are always putting in the work in their communities mm-hmm. to uplift all the people that, you know, they come in contact with even like with uh, the men in their lives. You know, a lot of us would not be around 
if it weren't for women supporting and like also just like uplifting us and like just talking sense into us <laughs> like because when you see like the black lives matter movements and historically when you look all the way back to like women's suffrage and how black women were finally able to vote because black women had to put in the work to get to where they're at because white women had the privilege of voting before black women ever had mm -hmm. white feminism never showed up for black women and other women of color it was always black women at the forefront of movements and revolutions that you know that that was the catalyst for those movements and this character just kind of embodies that without it being again preachy or like over the head yeah it just felt very natural at least that's what i took away from that character mm -hmm. because again she's there's just something special about her where she doesn't have a clone she doesn't get brainwashed by olympia black and she's ultimately the brains behind you know getting everyone out of there because she's the one that's trying to tell people like you need to get out of the stupid routine where you think you're you know a lost cause and that there's nothing else you can do yeah. So I, the, all the characters all around were really special and really awesome, but she was particularly very special to me. And man, I, I again, I hope we see more work from this team because this was a really fantastic movie. It was. So let, 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 let's stop gushing over it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone long enough. So I think at this point, I would like us to introduce our rating system. Ooh. So we've got a rating system. It's it's going to be goofy. I want you guys to just go with it. Accept it. Accept. Don't question it. Don't. It's silly, but I think it works. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have a scale from one to five. One being the weakest to five being the strongest grade. Yes. So starting at number one, we've got a rating of rotten potato. Yes. This, this movie's nasty. Don't eat it. It's bad for you. Mm -hmm. That's what rotten potato means. Just <laughs> throw it out. Yep. It's full of pus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At number two, we got the salty spud. You you did your best. You were cooking this potato, but you, you just got your ingredients too strong. It's too salty. It's got a bad taste in your mouth. It leaves a burn in your mouth. So oh. you could watch this movie, but just know there's going to be some pain. Yeah. It's not that bad, but it's going to be bad. Mm -hmm. Number three, we're at baked potato. It's nice. It's soft. It, it tastes pretty good, but it, it could use more flavor. It could use a lot more. So it's decent and it's edible. Next, we got Loaded Potato at number four. So this is a really good movie. You got your butter, you got your cheese, you got oh your bacon. Oh, my bacon. God, the bacon. Uh, all, <laughs> all kinds of good stuff, man. All kinds of good stuff. So this movie got good stuff. It's a loaded potato. And then at number five, the legendary The Most Potato. This the movie most just has potato. the most potato. It's just mm -hmm. so much potato, you can't even fathom it. Mm -hmm. It's perfect. There's no flaws with it. And that's what they clone tyrone is getting oh you give you giving it the most potato it's the most potato <laughs> the most it's giving <laughs> the most potato yes that's how i read interesting it. okay mm -hmm. nice mm -hmm. i'm going i was going back and forth for a while i'm gonna give this a nice very strong loaded potato this movie is a loaded potato it's got all the good stuff in it don't give me that look <laughs> you don't give me that look <laughs> I know for for somebody who has very minor complaints, you'd think I'd give it the most potato. Mm -hmm. I'm still I'm just feeling a strong loaded potato. I just feel like there are other movies in my mind that come to me immediately that say just most potato, and this movie doesn't reach that quite yet. So I'm gonna give it a loaded potato grade. It's very good. It's really good. It's delicious. 
This movie, you can ingest it. You won't get enough of it. It's it's so good. I mean, you don't got to convince me. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> so. <laughs> so those are our grades. So the most potato and the loaded potato. Mm-hmm. So definitely worth a watch. Worth it's yeah. really good. They, I really wish Netflix would put out more strong gems like this because they spend way too much money on stuff that is not even worth 30 minutes going into it. It's just not. Yeah. So I really get, I'm glad that we got a win from Netflix. So that is They Clone Tyrone. I don't have anything else to say. It's just, there's so much, there's so much to say. It's so good. Yeah. Just check it out and, you know, let yeah, us leave know us your you thoughts. Think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going to put polls and questions on our episodes. So please engage with us and let us know what you think of this movie. If you've seen it, uh, just respond to us in the polls or the questions. You'll see that. And with that, we want to thank you guys for tuning in to our latest installment of the Most Potato Podcast. I'm Alvin. I'm Jess. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye. Bye.